Episode 276 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm Managing Editor Kirk Seminoff sitting in for Bill. Every year as part of the Emerging Leaders Program, we put together a panel of city and county government leaders to talk to the emerging leaders about government, their community, and the importance of public service. We had a great panel Thursday with Wichita City Manager Bob Layton, City Council Member Becky Tuttle, and Sedgwick County Manager Tom Stoles. This week's podcast is a roundup of the things they had to say at a critical time in local government. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. This week's cover story is called Migration Nation, and it's a local and national look at where Americans are moving from and where they're moving to and how those moves can sometimes increase home values. We take a special look at the people moving in and out of Wichita and what it means for our home prices compared to similar Midwest cities. Migration Nation begins on page 16. We have two lists in this week's paper, retirement communities and a brand new list, registered investment advisors. See who operates largest retirement communities and learn about this new classification of advisors beginning on page eight. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly leads section. We list building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 20. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Well, on Thursday, members of the Wichita Business Journal's Emerging Leaders Program gathered at the Kansas Leadership Center to hear from three key players in local government. Today, we'll bring you a selection of what they talked about. Becky Tuttle is the council member for District 2. That's in East and Northeast Wichita. She's in her first full term and has lived in Wichita for 20 years, working primarily in nonprofits dealing with better health outcomes. Bob Layton has been Wichita City Manager since 2009. He has been in local government work for 44 years, coming to Wichita from Urbandale, Iowa, a suburb of Des Moines, in his most recent stop. When we asked each panelist to tell us something about themselves away from the office, Bob said, admitted that after a long day at City Hall, he comes home and gets addicted to, quote, really crappy television. He can't wait for the new season of Love After Lockup. And I think we all need to tune in to see what that's like. Tom Stoles is a lifelong Sedgwick County resident and has been county manager for about three and a half years, which he points out makes him almost entirely a manager during the COVID-19 pandemic. Tom got his start on the Wichita police force because at that time you had to be on the force in order to someday become a forensic examiner. But realizing he liked police work more than forensic work, his career eventually led to the managing side of government. And he talks of Bob Layton as a mentor during his time at City Hall. We started with a question about public service. With each of the panelists in public service all their adult lives, have they seen public service change over the years? Do you have to want to want it more than in the past? Bob Layton started off, following, followed by Tom Stoles and Becky Tuttle. You know, that's a great question. It's the, the core of what we do hasn't changed. So the idea of making life better for the people that you serve, that, that stays with us through everything that we do. And I don't think that makes a difference. It's no different than when I got in the business in the late 70s. 
I think what's changed is the public's perception of public employees. And I would say that, um, I don't mean this in a partisan way, but it changed at the time that Ronald Reagan was president. And, I, and then it was a matter of government, government is something we need to work against, keep out of our lives. And so it went from the John Kennedy approach of government can make your life better to uh, we need to downsize government uh, because it, it is, it's t taxing our resources and keeping us from being able to move forward uh, in a way that matches our priorities. And so um, I noticed from that point forward that there, we weren't necessarily getting the benefit of the doubt by the public, right? So uh, we have to work harder to maintain the public's trust. And when you see things um, in the media about times that we stub our toes, I think you know, I look at it two ways. First of all, some people will say, well, see, that's, I told you. That's, you know, the government is not effective as a, as a business and they're not representing our interest. But I also look at that as people still hold us accountable and expect the best from us. So when, when I talk to our employees, it's, I, remind, I try to remind them that um, they, folks want us to do um, well. They want us to meet their basic needs as defined by our government in terms of the scope of what we do. And um, if uh, there's an outcry about what we do, it's because we didn't meet their high standard. So I, I like to think of it that way. I'd only add to that that I think that, uh, remember I'm a Civil War buff, and if, if any of you have read about political times in the time of Lincoln and that generation before or after, some of what we're seeing today is tame compared to the conduct and action back then where vicious names were being called and actually fistfights breaking out. Hopefully we're not there. But it's, it's, social media has changed the landscape a little bit for us too. Um, and, and I don't, sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad. Uh, but I really believe that government over time in this country, uh, it has ebbs and flows, but it's, it's, you know, we, it's very similar to, to what it was when we started in. And I'm, with Bob, I, I, I love serving people. Um, and I think that, and that's part of the, what we lay out in the landscape of what we expect from our governments is what's, what's the plan, what's our strategic plan? We have debates every day about role of government. Bob is correct, we, we've gone through a period where there's a real debate of what is role of government and what is role of private sector. And that is where, it's a very interesting debate. We could talk for three hours on that this morning, just that piece. Uh, is it government's role to be in mental health? Is it government's role to be in public health? Is it government's role to be past public safety, water, and sewer? What, what should government be? And those are clearly staples and have always been the foundation of government. But so that debate has changed over years, evolves over years, but um, I don't know. I, I think if you want to get into public sector today, uh, the challenges are the same as they were 170 years ago. It's, some people are going to love you, and some people are not. So, and that's what makes the world go around. That's what makes it fun and interesting, and um, I think it's a it's a great profession. It's challenging to <clears throat> follow these two great gentlemen, um, both who I have a great deal of admiration and respect for, because you stole a lot of what I was going to say. Um, but I, the first thing that I thought of was social media has certainly changed everything. You know, I think social media started as a tool so that grandmothers could stay in touch with their grandkids and you could creep on your ex-boyfriend from high school. And now it's really morphed into something that people use to weaponize. 
So I always tell people, you know, again, social media can be a great tool for us in government and help us relay the messages, but always be cognizant of not believing everything you read upon first blush, right? I think it's important to be a good consumer of social media. Um, I think also, especially in the city of Wichita, one of the things that I'm most proud of is our uh, city council and mayor is supposed to be nonpartisan, and sometimes we see shifts in that, which I think is is unfortunate because the issues that we address at the city of Wichita don't care if I'm a Republican, a Democrat, or an independent, or a libertarian. They should just care that we're trying to provide you with the highest quality of service that you deserve as a taxpayer. Um, I think that you certainly, as, as community members, we all appreciate what the city of Wichita or the Cedric County does in the absence of us. Um, the first time you go to brush your teeth and the water doesn't come out, or you drive on the road and you can't get to where you need to be because you don't have safe and reliable infrastructure, or heaven forbid the police, fire, or EMS don't come when you pick up the phone, that's when people realize the great work that we do every day. If we're doing our job well, you're not even thinking about what we do in public service, in the public um, service. So I also have had the privilege, as I mentioned, of working at the county. So Bob and I have frequent conversations that my perspective as an elected is a little bit different than most because I used to be a county employee. And so I try very hard to stay in my lane as an elected. Um, my job is to make good policy so that we can give staff the resources they need to be effective. That's my job. Um, but I do remember when I was at the county and Bob's heard me tell this story many times, I helped a community member and when I finished my interaction with her as a county employee, she said, for a government employee, you're really smart. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was a good lesson for me to remember the perspective of some, but to try and change that perspective by overwhelming them with quality work. Can I hijack the panel for just a second? Okay. The issue of social media comes up almost every time that we, we have a discussion like this. And I, I just, I'm a little curious about your perception as well. I spent um, a weekend this summer with uh, my son and some of his friends in uh, California. And he works for Discord. Um, and everybody that we were with were involved in the digital um, economy, so to speak. Uh, one person has a million followers um, and uh, is basically kind of an entertainer um, in, in a way. And I think we have to quit demonizing social media because it's here. It's going to stay with us. It's going to continue to evolve. Platforms we have today will probably be irrelevant five years from now. But this is how people choose to communicate, choose to get information. And so our organization is starting to spend a lot more time talking strategically about how do we how do we convey our message both through traditional media but just as importantly through social media and how do we reach people and um, it's not about trying to push out our propaganda but it's about talking to people and hearing from people the way they prefer to communicate and we can you know resist that and we can argue about the good old times where people were maybe a more polite uh, towards each other, but nevertheless, social media um, is a force to be reckoned with and something that I think we all need to embrace in order to move our businesses forward. Rob Ramsire, an emerging leader who's athletic director at Friends University, asked the next question about the public disagreements and contention within government bodies. Becky Tuttle led off, followed by Bob Layton and Tom Stoles. 
Yeah, Becky, why do you post those terrible things? <laughs> and, and I Becky, will, if I can jump in real quick, I, and I can say this. I'm a fan I, of you, Becky. Well, you thank you. I appreciate that. I, I am the least um, social media savvy, certainly, of all of my colleagues, and and I agree. I, I'm trying to embrace social media more. Um, it, it does not bring me joy to see people use it in that manner, and that's part of the reason for my resistance. And that's why I say to people, if everybody were a better consumer of social media, and, and to be able to you know understand that not everything that's posted in 140 characters is true or accurate. So I have never made a negative social media post, nor will I, and I have committed to that. If one of my colleagues makes comments against me, I will only focus on my message and my vision for the city of Wichita, not what was said about me. So that is one commitment that I've made and, and will continue to remain steadfast in. One of my favorite phrases is, comes from Stephen Covey, and that's uh, patience is emotional diligence, right? And so what you, you have to be conscious in your responses. I, and at some point, what I hope, I think people expect us to be statesmen, right? I mean, uh, and that means you have to take a deep breath and you don't respond in a like manner. Now, it, it's so easy to get angry and fire something off because you know people have been pounding you all day. Um, and I would hope that over time that we can get to that point. I will tell you from a staff standpoint, um, I, I will take some action, I, whether it's just a counseling session or whatever, with an employee who will engage in that kind of behavior in, in a city context. Uh, but the elected officials are the elected officials, and there's not much I can do in terms of who gets into what debate. And, but overall, I, I mean, even if we rise above it, it's still, you're still going to have that element out there. And, and I think you just have to accept that's part of the noise that's in, in social media. You know, the, the one thing you brought up I think is interesting is what do you do behind the scenes to um, mitigate that? And we could talk on this for three hours too. The, the, the role of the challenge in government is, is we are open. We are transparent. Um, a lot of what happens happens in a public setting and is intended to do so. Because when you use terms like, uh, what can you do behind the scenes? Anytime you use behind the scenes in government, is there's a might have an issue there. So some of this, even though it turns into, and I agree with you, it turns into to ugliness, has to happen in a public uh, setting because that's this differing of opinions, and that's fine if it's civil. Uh, I would get, uh, I always tell my commission, I'm nervous when you when you vote 5-0 on things. I think there should be debate. I think there should be reasonable conflict. I think that's what makes the world go around and the government work efficiently. Um, but, and some, sometimes that debate, that public debate uh, goes south. Um, and I do ag agree with the city manager. I think at some point from a staff perspective, we'd kind of step back from that. Um, I mean, if, if, it's, if it's argument going on, some of that just has to happen. So I, I don't know that there's an answer to your question. I will tell you we're very hesitant to do very much behind the scenes regarding business, because that is, we are in the business of public. And that, some of that will have to air out in, in a public setting. It's a great question though. Thank you. Tanya Bullock of Child Start, also an emerging leader, talked about her personal interactions with government and how social media can help and hurt organizations. Tom Stoles picked it up from there. Remember when the, years ago, when the Eagle used to run opinion line? Yeah. Um, and we used to, when my kids were still home and we would use that as entertainment on Sunday, uh, you would read through these opinion lines and they finally 
stop that because some of the comments became so awful. Well, and I agree with Bob, we have to learn how to manage social media, but that's what social media has brought us is one way bullet conversation where you can make criticisms without, without debate, without conversation. Uh, and that's, it's, we're really learning on the fly how to manage that. Um, but I, you raise very good points there about how exposed you are when you're trying to do really good work. And I don't care how good a work I, you do, somebody's gonna criticize you. It's a big world out there. And now it's an inter, it's a national, it's an international. You're getting criticism from Minnesota on county or city government business. It's just, it's, I, it's gonna be a very challenging for us to learn how to, how to manage this. Patrick Green of the Wichita Public Schools, another emerging leader, used a baseball analogy to ask panelists a question. Tom Stoll's let off. My wife and I moved to Wichita from Tulsa in 2017. And about, uh, about the only thing that I've seen get worse in the city is people went from taking politics and government, for, uh, they went from taking it more seriously to too seriously. People who think that their ultimate you know, sense of order and well-being depends on the outcome of the next county commissioner election or what, how the city council, or the school board for that matter, that I work for, how they're gonna vote on the next ordinance or motion. Um, what do you do to just get people to pace themselves and realize, you know, hey, you know, local governments, like a, a baseball game or a baseball season, it's 162 games long. You know, it's not That's a good question because I spend a lot of time in front of a microphone telling people, engage in your government, watch your government, know what your government is doing uh, at all times. But you bring up a really good point that people now are diving in so deep, and it is it is a it is a it's an end game, and that's why I think that um, governments at, at all level, local, state, federal, there needs to be a clear mission. What's our role? We stick to that role, uh, and as people engage, we should be transparent. We should tell them everything that's going on. Uh, and that's, again, I keep, we're going to keep coming back to social media. If you can have debate, if you can sit in a room and talk through these issues, you can get people to that level of what you're talking about. You can get them toned down so they can see the big picture that we're in for the long haul, and they don't scrutinize each and every little decision made along the way. Uh, the problem in social is we're, we're, it's almost like we're a reactionary, uh, and, and electeds feel that. Electeds are seeing and hearing that, and then it... It makes them more reactionary, and then it's harder for us to look at a long haul what's good for this community. So um, I think that um, the, only, the only solution I know to, to mitigate that is through public discourse and debate. Um, and if we could just figure out a way on social where we could do that, and I'm not sure we're there yet, uh, then I think then we, we can... We can get that. You'll, you'll always have people. You'll always have, but I do agree with you. I, you're seeing more of that today than maybe we did 10 years ago. Uh, and the only way I know to mitigate that is to be honest and forthright and, and have public debate about whatever the topic is. Not on a forum where it's one-way communication, but a two-way forum. I've, as I mentioned, I've always been a very engaged citizen long before I, I was on council, even before I moved to the state. And the one thing that I've learned from now being in, in a position that is such a privilege and an honor is truly how important your right to vote is. It's the most precious right you have. And many people take it for granted. Some people don't choose to exercise it. 
blood has been shed so that all of us have an opportunity the first Tuesday in November to go and make a decision of who we think should lead our city, our state, and our country. And so when you take the opportunity to go and vote, and I hope you all do and you will, that you really take a moment to educate yourself to who your electeds will be, who you think can represent you. And I hope that you will cho choose individuals who are focused on policy and not politics. And, and that truly is something that is, Bob tells me, and it's the kindest thing everyone, anyone ever says to me, is I know my true north. I know why I'm here. I know why I'm not here. <laughs> and I know what my vision for the city of Wichita is. When I go, drive to work every day, I have to keep in my head that I'm here for policy and not politics. Next, I asked panelists what the biggest issues to the city and county are right now. Their answers, beginning with Stoles and followed by Layton and Tuttle, are pretty interesting. It is, a lot has changed in three years. Uh, we have a lot of discussion about that. I would say the hot button issue today as we are trying, and we're not out of the pandemic yet, right? I mean, I have a commissioner not here today because his wife has COVID, that's why he's not here. Um, so we're working our way uh, through this, what's hopefully the remainder of this pandemic and the economy has radically changed as well. Um, so the hot button issue for, for us right now, and we spend an entire budget season talking about it on the county side is workforce. How do we maintain? How do we keep what we got? How do we try to recruit and attract uh, into a field which is very challenging in, in government these days uh, and will never, be, will never be the highest paid jobs ever? no matter what we do budgetarily or what we try to do, there will never be the highest paid jobs in, in, in the region. So that's our, that's our number one uh, hot button issue today. And I, I was telling Kirk before uh, we started, the economic development um, uh, background today in Wichita, Sedgwick County and in in Southeast Kansas, basically, it's like riding on a rodeo bull and trying to hold on. There is a lot happening. Uh, there's tremendous growth opportunity for Midwest. Um, there's tremendous opportunity for this country with international companies coming back to United States. And there's tremendous opportunity for Midwest, people moving from coast into the central part. It is, the sky is the limit for uh, this belt of, of, the, of, the, of the country. Um, but it's, it's about people, right? I mean, you cannot, I can't run EMS or 911 or calm care or corrections without people. And so it's, what is our strategy gonna be? Our hot button issue now is what are we gonna do? How do we scoot to the table as a team with private sector and make this place a great place to live so we can attract people here and families here that wanna work and live here? That's, I would say that's our number one issue in the next two or three years. I have, um one issue inside our building and um, one or two that are outside. So inside the building, COVID changed our organization, changed everybody's organizations, right? Mm -hmm. So what I'm worried about is our corporate culture. Um, we know what we stand for. We, we, we have a vision statement, a mission statement, a set of values that didn't come from, from my office, but came from our employees. And we spent over a year working on that. And it's more than a gimmick. I think our people really do live our values. And we've, we've built uh, decision-making models uh, around our values. We've uh, pushed that out to our frontline employees so we can empower them. 
But when we all got pulled away from the office and we started in a hybrid environment and have come out with somewhat of a hybrid environment, what, I was, what I'm worried about is that we became much more transactional in our relationship with employees during the remote work and probably even post-remote. So I want to get away from, I expect you to do this amount of work by Friday, right? And I'm going to meet with you on Friday, and then we're going to set your goals for Monday. I want to start talking about more the greater outcomes and what, and the way we thought about our work before COVID. Because we were forced into that model, right? I mean, especially in the public sector, there's expectation you're going to get work done. You're not going to pay people to sit at home, quote unquote, and live on the, off the taxpayer. So accountability was important to us. I want to get back to really a fa the, a, the family environment, whatever you want to call our family. I want to get back to that in our organization. So that's, that's a concern that I have. I'm not going to repeat what Tom said, uh, and he did a great job talking about workforce challenges. I was so proud of what this community did during the, while we fought COVID, right? Tanya, you were part of the group, Tom. Um, we met, uh, at, for a while, we met weekly to try to address uh, issues that we were facing. But we never lost sight of the fact that there was going to be an, an after COVID period. And we wanted to put, and where we wanted to be different than other communities is we want to position ourselves to come out in a strong way. And I think we have. So my concern is how do we keep building on that momentum? Let's not lose sight of that. I, you know, we had me, uh, meetings last week with representatives of WSU and KU. They're in front of the Board of Regents today on a $302 million project. Uh, to bring uh, health education downtown. That would be our second health center. Uh, Business Journal did a great job uh, describing what that project is all about. Um, that uh, would do wonders. 3,000 students downtown. Uh, talk about changing the face of downtown. Um, and what we also found is it's not just that center, it's who wants to be around that center. So you'll have medical offices, specialty um, uh, doctors that have specialties that uh, are unique and can only be found around a medical center like that. So anyway, that's exciting. I want to make sure we continue to move that way. And if you look at both uh, aviation, but more importantly, uh, the cyber uh, firms that have been expanding um, and a few other areas where we're starting to diversify more, I want to make sure we don't lose that momentum. And then the last thing is tied to that. I don't want so much attention tied to downtown development that we forget the neighborhoods. And that's what that's the feedback we get a lot is that we feel left out. We keep reading about all the dollars you're spending downtown and what are you doing to help us? So city council approved, uh, when they approved the budget, doubled down on how much money we're putting into uh, residential streets, for instance, which I continue to, I have, I have to go to a neighborhood group tonight, I know I'm gonna hear about streets, right? <laughs> And, but the council also approved $31 million to pave some um, uh, dirt roads in disadvantaged neighborhoods where you know without the council's assistance, we would never be paving those roads. So it's, um, I, that balance is the other thing I worry about. I think coming out of COVID, uh, I think people are a little more focused on what are you doing for me, right, to, to help me and my family. So. So I'm going to focus a little bit on the little C being the community and not the big C, the city of Wichita, right, and the work that we do. 
Um, and, and people ask me all the time, what are the pressing issues or biggest challenges Wichita faces? And I say, it really depends on what day it is and what's on my agenda for that day um, or you know what happened yesterday. But consistently, one thing that I'm working on that I'm really excited about is childcare. And Tanya and I have had the opportunity to work on this together. Um, I was a present. I was mentioning this at another group recently on a panel, and they said that they were so proud that I was working on a woman's issue, and my head spun around three times <laughs> because anyone who thinks that childcare is a woman's issue is mistaken. It's an economic development issue. If you ask almost any employer in the city of Wichita, the state of Kansas, or probably the country, they would say their employees having quality, reliable, affordable childcare is one of their biggest issues. And so um, one of the things that I'm proud to say is I'm working on revising a city ordinance. We got through advanced plans. Hopefully we'll get through MAPC and then bring to council so that it can be easier for childcare, um, especially home childcare, to have more children, still providing the safety that they all need and deserve. Um, and then I have some plans after that along with the coalition. So that's certainly something that I see in here as an issue. The other is workforce, obviously within our own internal organizations, but then also um, you know, I know to to keep our anchor institutions here, we need to have the workforce that they need. I was just talking to some folks yesterday at Textron, and um, you know, they said it's their biggest issue right now. And, and there, I asked what the city could do to help, and their comment was, "Keep doing what you're doing for quality of life initiatives, because we can bring people to Wichita for the job, but we need to have amenities, quality of life options for them to want to stay with their families." So that's something that I've also been really interested in and see as an issue. And then I continue to work on food desert issues and food insecurity, something that I've been passionate about in Wichita for more than a decade. Not everyone in our community has access to, to healthy food, and, and that's something that I hope that I can be a part of the solution. Can I ask a quick question? A question from an emerging leader was, what about working with someone whose true north is not the same as yours? That's a great question. I'll, I'll jump in if that's okay. You know, um, there are some of my my colleagues who I certainly don't agree with on some issues, but I find when I look across the bench, we have commonalities in some way in almost everything. Um, and as long as we can remain civil, and as long as we can demonstrate our our rationale and our passion in in a civil way, you know, I I tell my colleagues when we don't align with votes sometimes. I, I don't really care why you voted. I'm just curious, why, you know, I don't care how you voted. I'm curious why. And then it helps me to learn and to learn what they're interested in and they're passionate about so that maybe we can align and, and try and, you know, champion other issues that are important. But, um, you know, everybody's true north is different. I'm not saying mine is better. I'm not saying mine is right. But it's what I continue to stay focused on because I think it's what's best for Wichita and, and what I feel I can be a part of that. Yeah, but there's always going to be a disagreement. But like Tom said before, sometimes when it is all five votes, I wonder, right? Like, where's the discord and the discussion? You know, I, I think that the, the biggest frustration I hear from people is when they can't be heard. And I think if you hear them and you do everything organizationally you can in, in, in government, everything organizationally you can to hear people and at least allow them to tell you what their true north is, that that's better than shutting them down. Now, at the end of the day, uh, and I, I tell people this all the time, I work for the people, and the people are five commissioners on my side, and Bob has seven. But we work for the people, and what the body of the people say is where we drive 
policy. Um, that doesn't mean you don't hear other opinions or other alternatives. You, you have to hear them. And then, then government's not stagnant. Sometimes there's a tilt in the landscape. And what was a maybe a minority opinion before has now become a majority opinion, and you, you steer the ship toward that. So I think that our role in government is to set a proper template where people can be heard. Uh, and then the commission, the council, they have to make the policy decisions on where to drive the operation to, and then it's our job to implement. Um, but, and that's a challenge. I mean, um, you, we all have public agenda on our, on our meetings, come and speak. Uh, the commission and the council are, are open. Uh, Mr. Layton and I spend a lot of time talking to citizens and sometimes hearing opposite of what is due north for us and you know what you have to respect that it's what makes the world interesting if everybody's due north was the same it'd be boring right i mean it makes it interesting and it makes for interesting discussion and then we learn from one another and ultimately you hope we get better so and that issue's been with us forever right i mean it's 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 not just in government it's all of us how do we deal with people who maybe have different you know values than we do and that's the beauty of you know our constitution is that we're all allowed to have those, you know, differing opinions. I, uh, there was, uh, the dean of city managers was uh, a city manager at Kansas City, a guy named L.P. Cookingham back in the 40s, and he talked about how important it was to take the chip off the shoulder of the a resident you were dealing with, which was basically, I hate to make this like a Covey settle, seminar, but, you know, understand before being understood, and it's, it's that same thing. You know, all of us, I think the world would be so much better if we actually tried to understand other people's positions and are willing to change ours if somebody, you know, makes a compelling argument. And again, when you're in the service business, it's all about the people that... Uh, I then asked the managers specifically about their body's responses to the pandemic. Hindsight is 2020, of course, but is there now second guessing? Tom Stoll started it off. <laughs> y yes. <laughs> Just yes. Um, you know, I, I think back and we're actually, um, I'm slated to talk to Wichita Public Library here in a week or two on the whole COVID phenomenon and historically how we did and how we th think we did and things we could do better. But, uh, and I could go three hours on this too. In the, in the county government world, we had, if I'd have known the health department was under the county organization, I might not have took the job, right? I mean, is it no sooner, I'm a manager like four months and here comes COVID. Um, but I, you know, I think as a country, we could have done way better. I mean, I think we could have had better synergy between federal, state, and local governments in the concept of public health. And this was the first time that I can ever remember 40 years in government where public health and economy did not line up in the same direction. Usually in a, in a society, if you have good public health and good resource, your economy is going to drive. And this tilted that axis to where now all of a sudden, for a short period of time, economy and the engine of economy came in conflict with what was considered good public health practice at the time. So, and I think we as a country got a C minus grade on this. There was just, we struggled with synergy, even to the state of Kansas, the health department, to get consistent messages out to people. And you have to remember the time, and it's easy to look back and Monday morning quarterback, but in April, May of 2020, we didn't know what this thing was. We didn't know what the death rate was gonna be. We didn't have any resource to move forward. We had no hand sanitizer, no masks, no aprons, no 
and the hospitals are worried about being blown up. And we just didn't know what the kill rate of this thing was going to be. Well, now in hindsight, as we look back on this, uh, it's easy to Monday morning quarterback those electeds who were in that really hot seat of having to make policy decisions. So I think locally, we did very well. Uh, we talked about the overwhelmingness of this situation right now that we were facing both within our organizations and the communities that we represented. And I think that we came then we have a just a tremendous chamber and a tremendous business culture in this community that really came to the table and just said, what can we do to help? We, no ventilators, right? Remember the ventilator thing? We, we were having to make decisions who got ventilator, who didn't. We have a company in town, we're blessed to have manufacturing here, stood up ventilator production almost overnight. Um, we had a, I'll never forget, we had a brewery that quit making beer because they, they didn't have any customers and they made hand sanitizer. Just things like that. I had a manager come and say, you want to use the library for your, uh, for your testing capacity. We just came together as a group and worked really well together. It was a very challenging time, but I think as a local community, I have this great, we could have done better, clearly, but I was graded highly. I'm disappointed in our national response on this, and I think we, for the love of God, we need to learn from this, and the next, it's inevitable, right? We're gonna have mass disaster, some kind of the other bug is gonna come, and I would like it to be a lot more crisp than it was this time. So I have mixed results, but I think locally, I, I, I think we did very well here. You may have a different opinion. I'd love to hear your opinions on that. But. Yeah, it's, um you have to put yourself back in the situation, right? You know, people are dying. The hospitals are, you know, they're telling Tom and I that um, they're stacking up in waiting rooms. They can't take anybody in. Um, and, and as Tom said, they're making life and death decisions about who's going to get on a ventilator and who, unfortunately, is so far gone that that's not going to happen. Um, I, I th I'm, I'm not going to second guess what was done because uh, I, 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 too, am proud of how this community came together. Um, fight it. What I, but I think what's really important is that we adjust our planning, our emergency planning, to avoid, so that we're better prepared and are, are quick and dynamic in our response. My favorite story out of all this is, is from Tom. And we were, he told the story a few times. He said, you know, we went through all of this emergency planning, even pandemic planning before this time. County did more than us. And he said, in every exercise that we went through, at point X, the trucks, the federal government paid for all of this stuff to come to your city, and your problem was just to get to, de to deploy it, right? Well, those trucks never arrived, and so our planning was um, based on a false premise, and so that's why we need to talk. I, I think we, I, I don't want to repeat what's frankly played out with monkeypox, right? The federal government was slow again in response to that, and it's not on the same magnitude as, as COVID. But it shows that we, they, you know, it's slow to get a vaccine out and all of that. I, I just want to make sure that we we were prepared to to build on what we did, codify what really worked, and then assume that we have to be self sufficient during an emergency like that. An emerging leader who's relatively new to the city asked panelists what they think are the best sources of information in Wichita. Becky Tuttle took the question first, followed by Bob Layton. Um, that's a great question. You know, a lot of times people think that they're going to come to city council and it's going to be a lot more sexy than it is. <laughs> you know, sometimes we're just trying to determine if we purchase or lease tires for transit, you know, or what 
what we need in, in water and sewer. And so um, I lean into the content experts of the staff. I don't know how to make clean water. I couldn't tell you how to put out a fire. I have absolutely no, t no clue what the temperature of the pool should be at any of our parks. But we hire really good subject matter experts at the city of Wichita. And so when I'm trying to make a decision, if it's you know something that I can lean into staff, I do. Um, I also have a district advisory board. All of the council members have an 11-member district advisory board. And so I'll lean into them. Um, I have a group of constituents that um, are kind of my think tank that I'll try and bounce ideas off of and, and try and get opinions. So depending on what it is, um, I always try and engage young leaders, people who are going to be leading this country, this community in the future. What would they, you know, what decision do they think would be the best when they're in charge someday? So I can hopefully leave a legacy for them as community leaders and advocates. But um, I really just try and get as much information. Sometimes truly it's it's research and you know, you're reading scholarly journals and sometimes it's getting people's opinions and thoughts of how it could impact their lives. The most important thing, and, and it's hard to think about, is to try and anticipate unintended consequences. Um, we just had a vote on Tuesday at City Council and now we're discovering that there's gonna be some unintended consequences for other governmental agencies, but then also con potential community members. And so perhaps you know we should have all thought through that a little bit better. Some did, maybe some didn't. But um, there's a lot to think of. I take every vote seriously. I mean, of course, there's some some more monumental votes that I've made that were you know I'm pushing the button and my hand shaking. But every vote I make is important. Citizenship is a hard job, right? I mean, if you've got to find reliable sources of information, you know. I, I read in the morning the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal for national news. And I purposely pick those publications because they're on different ends of the spectrum. And so I get different perspectives. And of course I read, you know, the Eagle and Business Journal. I hate to say it because it sounds like I'm pandering here, but the Business Journal is a fantastic way of getting what I consider to be fair coverage of not just very specific business issues, but some of the important issues that are facing the community. There are articles in there that are critical of what we do, and but rightfully so. They're well-researched, and um, there is, I, I think that's what you need to do, is you need to find some sources that you trust and that you know are gonna give you a straight-up analysis and then rely on those, and that will help you put in context other things you read. It's sometimes funny because I, I'll read a business journal article and I read a, a one from a, another publication, which I won't name, and it's like, were those reporters covering the same story? Because it's, uh, it, it, and so anyway, I, I think you have to find somebody, you know, some sources that you trust, and, and then, and I think all of us have to do that. I mean, that is the million dollar question on how do you get to the truth, and in addition to what Bob just said, what, whatever the topic is, uh, and some of these topics get really heavy duty in government, mental health. I mean, this is a complicated topic. Um, I would just, I think you have to dig in. I think you have to quit reading headlines and maybe even social media posts and dig in and then get counter perspectives, even whether it's from electeds or from staff. And our, our staff goes out a lot into the community and talks at district advisory boards, or whenever we're invited, we'll go out and we'll talk on a topic, and I agree with uh, Councilwoman. There's subject matter experts here that are very smart in their fields. Um, we get criticized a lot with Comcare or aging. We have women running those organizations. This is their life. 
They've done it their entire adult lives. They're very good at what they do, very knowledgeable. Invite them into your community or your circle or your group and have them talk about it. Uh, hear counterpoints of what they're saying, and then you have to just discern for yourself what the truth is. But uh, it's a, that is the million-dollar question. How do, you, how do you get to the truth of whatever the situation is? And a lot of them are really long stories. You can't do it in a headline. You can't do it on a, we always joke on TV media. I mean, I'll, I'll interview with a reporter for an hour, and I get 30 seconds. So, I mean, you know, you, you have to dig. You have to dig in to get the full story, the, the full truthful story. My last question was about downtown development. You know, as the pandemic started in March of 2020, a billion-dollar plan for the east bank of the river was taking shape, and Riverfront Stadium was in its finishing stages. Here we are two and a half later, two and a half years later, and there's not much talk about the Riverfront Legacy Master Plan, but the stadium is doing well. And I asked the panel about what they see ahead downtown for the rest of the decade. Bob Layton was up first. Well, I think you set the stage really well. The, um, you know, I, it's, it's amazing how things have changed in 10 years, right? Who would have thought that we'd be talking about the east side of the river trying to catch up with the west side? But um, the stadium, I think, is serving as the catalyst that we had hoped for. I think we'll see some great development. Uh, two or three years from now, we, I don't, we won't recognize the West Bank. Um, to its credit, the business community has recognized that this community wasn't ready for a discussion about the, some of the grandiose plans that were in the uh, Legacy Master Plan, and so they've backed off from that. And instead, the focus now, I'm sure you've, I think you've heard this already, the focus is on maybe a performing arts facility, uh, recognizing that this community loves that round building. Um, we've got uh, data that shows that over 70% of the community believes that that building needs to be saved and we need to uh, double down on how we use it. And so we've focused our strategy on that round building is now going to serve small conventions. Um, the, um, uh, the, the consumer shows, excuse me, and um, also as basically a community gathering spot. We can do that. Where The council has approved $18 million in improvements to that building. We're going to keep it for a while, and then we're trying to determine what we're going to do for a convention center. Do we expand Bob Brown? Do we start from scratch? Community, I think, understands the importance of convention, so we'll do something there. No doubt that if we land the KU and WSU medical facility, that is a game changer. 3,000 people down here will open up opportunities for developers. I think of um, Gary O'Borney and what he owns around Union Station. I, th um, I think he will change his master plan to be able to accommodate uh, additional retail and support services for uh, that development. And I'll, I think, you'll, as I said, you're gonna see associated development uh, in that area. And that's not just a city issue. A lot of the issues I'm talking about involve the county as well, either directly or indirectly. In fact, when we were talking to K, KU and WSU this past week, Tom was at the table uh, because it will have an impact uh, on the, the county as a whole. But I'm really excited about where we're headed because we're going from big plans on paper to actual projects. And um, it's been an organic growth in, in, over time, but now I think it's even a little better plan. I'll add in that never underestimate our ability to succeed or fail as a region. Uh, Wichita is the biggest city. Wichita has cultural aspects to it that don't just benefit Wichitans, 
They benefit if you're from Goddard, if you're from Park City, if you're from Hutch, even out of county. There's five, six counties that feed into the hub, which is which is Wichita. But we should celebrate victories in Hutchison. We should celebrate victories in Butler County and Harvey County because whenever anybody wins here as a region, we win because we're we're not going to survive as an individual city or a county. We're going to survive as a region and flourish as a region. So all of these things that are going on, this is why this is a heavy duty discussion in the core of downtown Wichita. This attracts people from the region to come in. So I'm is what my opening comments. There is a lot happening and the sky is the limit for this city and the county and this particular region in the state of Kansas right now from a, from a national perspective. And it's just going to be very fun to watch over the next five, 10 years. Well, that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 276. I hope you enjoyed hearing from city and county leaders about public service and the pride they take in our community. You can check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.